we need to know a little bit about Ezekiel. He was a young, a young priest, a young priest from the family of Zadok, who was along with the Jews when they were taken into Babylon in 598 BC. Most historians say it was around that time when, when he went into uh, captivity. Ezekiel's name, the name itself means strengthened by God. And it seems to be fitting with the visions that, that Ezekiel shared. It just leaves no doubt throughout his 20 years of, of ministry or 20 years of prophesying, it leaves no doubt that his prophecies were challenging and, and they strengthened the people of Israel. So when we look in this book, it's not a book that we want to just skip over. It's not a book we just leave, leave it alone. It's a book that we really need to spend time in so that we hear these encouraging and strengthening words from God to the people as they are held captive in Babylon. So when we look here in this passage, and, and we're going to look in these first 14 verses. The Bible says in chapter 37, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and, and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise, a sudden, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the, to the breath, prophesy, O son of man, and say to the breath, says the Lord God, come from your four winds, O breathe and breathe on these slain. That they may live. So I prophesied so he commanded me. I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came in, into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet. And it, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, O son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God. Behold, O my people. I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into a land, into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O oh my people, and brought you up from your graves, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. And there you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. And this is God's holy word. God, as we do look to you today, we surrender to you. We pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. 
God, we pray that as you speak, that we would be obedient, that we would be sensitive to the leading and drawing of the Holy Spirit. And God, if there's one here today who doesn't know you for the forgiveness of sin, who doesn't have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray that today that they would call out to you and today that they would receive salvation. And God, we'll give you praise for what's accomplished. So we ask right now, God, may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Will you allow me to back up for just a second before we dive into this? There are a couple announcements I think we need to make. And I wasn't in here during the announcements. But just to share this with you, if, you, if this is an interest to you, on March 25th, at the Burnt Swamp Baptist Association building, there'll be a session on Islam religion. This is a, the fastest growing religion in America today. And if we're going to witness to this world, uh, we need to know a little bit about this religion. Your children and grandchildren are going off to college and going to college here at Pembroke and even at RCC. And they're going to be encountered by people of this faith. And as they are, they need to know, they need to know about that faith. They need to hear teaching from us whom they trust. And they need to also have a solid foundation themselves. I, I understand, I understand that People believe you can't help who you fall in love with. Your daughters and your sons are going to be approached by, by those of this religion. And it would break the heart of God for a Christian to intertwine with these folks in marriage. Uh, if we can win them to the Lord, that's different. But we need to know about this religion. So there's going to be a, a session on I- is Islam religion Breakfast will be provided. It'll be at 8.30. Uh, we'll begin breakfast around 9 o'clock that morning. On the March 25th, there we'll have this session. Also, women's health series. We, uh, I think there'll be a diabetes and nutrition series. Uh, or at least, yeah, a ser- diabetes and nutrition seminar on Thursday, March 21st at Barrier Baptist Church. And there'll be a cancer awareness on Thursday, April 11th. Um, we'll let's see. March 21st is very is right around the corner, isn't it? I'm trying to find a time. Uh, there'll be screening. I guess screenings from 4:30 to 6, and there will be a series or a session from 6 to 7:30. That help you with the diabetes and nutrition, and then with cancer awareness. Is on April 11th. Uh, now that we've got that behind us, we want to look here in this passage and we find what we'll find is Ezekiel's ministry, his entire ministry was marked by a series of visions. And in this vision itself that we're looking at today, he's in a valley that's surrounded by death. And he's commanded to preach to the dead. And when he obeyed the Lord's command, Ezekiel saw dead bodies brought back to life. He saw the Lord's grace on display in a graveyard. 
Now, like Ezekiel, we're surrounded by death. Everywhere we look, there's evidence of spiritual death. It dominates this world that we're living in. In Matthew 7, 13 through 14, the Bible tells us that Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And we see that. We see that destruction is all around us. And it seems like that gate is so wide that it's receiving more and more and more. But we need to understand that like Ezekiel, we're called to preach. We're called to minister to. We're called to share the gospel to the dead so that they can live. We've been called to tell them about this narrow gate. Because in this narrow gate, according to the verses 13 and 14 in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 7, it's in the narrow gate, it's difficult is the way in. And we, but this gate, this gate leads to life. It leads to, it leads to eternal life, and there are very few that find it. So that tells me we, we really have a, a job to do. From where Ezekiel stood in that day, his task had to seem impossible. But yet he obeyed God. And God blessed his efforts. And from where we stand today, the task of reaching those who are dead in sin, it may seem impossible to us. But if we'll just obey the Lord, if we'll trust him, we'll see that he'll bless our efforts and that he will, he will move in the midst of things and do what we can't do. You know what we're called to do? We're called to share the gospel. We're not called to save anyone. We're not called to get anyone saved because we don't have that power. But what we do have the power to do through, through the Holy Spirit that resides in us is to share the gospel to the lost. And God will do what we can't do. When we look here in this passage, what we begin to recognize is hopelessness. And, and, and if we don't recognize what's going on around us, we'll never know what's around us. Here, we, if we're going to recognize the hopelessness, we need to see the place where God took Ezekiel. Here in the passage, in verse 1, the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of the, in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley. Here, we, we have to understand that God placed him there. It is a vision. It's a vision that God has brought uh, Ezekiel went to I don't know if it's a trance I don't know if he was sleeping but what I do know is that Ezekiel was coherent enough that he understood that God placed him in a valley uh, and as God placed him in that valley in verse uh, we see this here in verse 1 God placed him there but it seems that God had a specific purpose for placing him in the valley it seems God wanted Ezekiel to, to see just what Israel just where Israel was. When we look here, we, he needed to see that Israel was in a mess. I believe sometimes we can't see what's in front of us until God gets our attention. Here he's placed him in a valley so he can see the state that Israel is in. I wonder why is it that we spend so much time in the valley? Now I know that it's in the valley where we grow, but I wonder why is it that we have to always seem that we're so often going into a valley? Is God 
trying, we have to ask the question, is God trying to get us to see just what he is seeing? Is he trying to get us to focus on him and his will for our lives? Folks, we can't do what God wants us to do until we see what he wants us to do. And sometimes it takes a valley for us to see what actually breaks the heart of God. And if what breaks the heart of God doesn't break our heart, I think we need to realize that we're like the bones and not like Ezekiel, that we're dead. Because if it breaks God's heart and we belong to him, it ought to break our heart. Man, just think about this. For instance, if your mom and daddy come in upset and you're a child, you become upset. If someone says something that hurts your mom's feelings, you get upset with them. If someone does something that, that insults your father, you get upset with them. And that's the way we should be with our Lord and Savior. That's the way we should be with our Heavenly Father. That when his heart is broke, our heart ought to be broken also. And when his heart is broken to sin, our heart ought to be broken to the sin of this world. And I, I, this just Saturday night, or Friday night, just Friday night, I, I went with a fellow pastor. He asked me if I would ride with him to Pinehurst, and we went to visit a gentleman there who was on his deathbed, basically. The doctors have already, they're looking for, or they were Friday night, looking for the place that they were going to send him. But get this, they were, they would have sent him somewhere Friday afternoon, but his brother, his older brother, who was, who was very prominent in our community, who'd done a lot of great things in our community, who through his profession and through the boards he sat on, he, he'd done a lot of things to help us around in chapel and here he is sitting watching his brother die and he is broken I want to tell you he's broken because his brother's dying and his brother's lost listen to what he did the doctors were going to send him somewhere but he said no doc not today not today because my pastor's coming when he gets off work and he needs to talk to my brother he said as a matter of fact he told his brother he said don't you go to sleep you need to talk to the pastor he's coming today he even told the doctor don't give him as much this pain medicine because it puts him to sleep. Don't give him as much as you've been giving him because he needs to hear the gospel. He was broken over his brother's sin. His brother dying on his way to a demon's hell and he was broken. That ought to be you and I every day that we look around and we see all the dead people that's dead in the trespass of their sins. It ought to break us because it's breaking the heart of God. God takes no pleasure. He takes no pleasure and anyone rejected him and they spend in a lifetime in hell or an eternity in hell. God takes no pleasure in that. It breaks his heart. And it ought to break our hearts. It ought to break our hearts. Here we find Ezekiel is surrounded by death. He's in this valley. We need to really get this picture. He's in a valley. And sometimes God just picks out a valley for us. It's evident he picked out this valley for Ezekiel. And Ezekiel surrounded by death in this valley. The bones Ezekiel saw, the Bible describes them as being very dry. If you see there that last phrase in, in verse 2, it says, And indeed they were very dry. They had been out in the hot sun for so long that all the moisture within the bones had come out of them. These bones, they were only fit 
They were only fit to be burned or to be buried. They were no good for nothing else. They, uh, from Ezekiel's viewpoint, from our viewpoint, these bones, they were just useless. And Ezekiel needed to see the condition of Israel was in. They were useless before God. And they were useless to God. Folks, we need to get this. We need to recognize that this is the very condition that the lost all around us are in. Romans 3 and 12, the Bible says that they all, they have all turned aside and they have together become unprofitable. And there is none who does good. No, not one. That word unprofitable, it means to be useless. And the sinner is unprofitable in the sense. Listen to me. Don't you go away saying I said something I didn't say. They're, you're useless in the sense sense of God giving getting glory out of your life as a sinner God's not getting glory out of our lives God's not using us we can't use us to share the gospel when we're lost in sin he can't use us to bring someone to the Lord when we need to be brought to the Lord ourselves and this is what he's talking about they were useless to, to God getting glory from their lives. And it seems to me that God wants us to see this. He wants us to see that all around us are those who are caught up in the traps of sin. God wants us to see that there's so many all around us who are spiritually dead. When we look at those who are trapped by drugs, they're trapped by alcohol, they're trapped by sexual immorality, they're trapped by power and prestige, those who are trapped by unethical behavior, we must see them as spiritually dead. Why? Because that's exactly where you and I were. We were spiritually dead. God will allow us to be in a valley so we can see that the world has the same need that you and I had and that need is Jesus I don't know what you think you need in this world but none of us need anything more than we need Jesus we don't need more preaching we don't need more more teaching we don't need more churches being built we need Jesus and then Jesus will take care of the rest of the stuff he'll take care of the preaching he'll take care of the churches being built He'll take care of our lives if we realize that we need Jesus. I, it just seems to me as we go through this passage, and as I've studied and meditated upon this, that God wanted Ezekiel to see just where Israel was. They were dead, right where they had. If you'll read in chapter 36, you'll find that. That God promises a renewal to Israel because Israel was still angry. They were still upset. Here they are lost. They're in a foreign land and they're, they're being held captive. And for 70 years they're being there. And, and, all, and here they, many of them had just turned away from God. They've turned away from him completely. They're blaming God for the mess that they're in. And, and God is saying just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you that I am the Lord. I'm going to prove to you that I am he. And you will see. And I think sometimes we can hear about things or sometimes we can know about things. But, but I think there are times when we need to actually see things for ourselves and that's the valley that he put him in so he could see for himself the condition of Israel when we go in our valleys we need to be able in the valley see this world and remember who we were before he saved us (laughs) we look here we see this we recognize the hopelessness but we also need to see the reaction to the hopelessness God asked Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> man, you're, sit, you're, you're sitting in the midst of a valley. 
and scattered all around our bones. The, and they're very dry bones. Not just bones, but dry bones. Bones that you've inspected and you recognize they're, no, they're worth nothing. They're useless. And here God asks the question, do you think they can live? What would be your response? I got an idea of what mine would have been. But I like Ezekiel's response. Ezekiel said, oh Lord God, you know. It seems that Ezekiel was actually saying, only you, God, if you give them life, they can live. Or, you, or something like, oh, God, if they can live, it's only because of you. God, you know what they can do. You know what they can't do. It seems like Ezekiel had enough understanding about God that he can do whatever he chooses to do. And, and I want us to come to grips with that, that, that God has the power and he has the authority that he can do whatever he sets his mind to do. If, if he will bring a girl a young girl up and give her life if he will bring a man out of the cave if he will heal someone who had been sick for 12 years he can do whatever he chooses to do yes here this is a true statement from Ezekiel only you God only you can give them life and it's a statement of faith Oh, we miss that so often. So often we hear about sickness and, and the first thing out of our mouth is, Lord, have mercy. And we're not saying it in a prayer. We're saying it in, in like they're doomed. Just like God can't touch them. <laughs> but we heard today God can touch. <laughs> we heard before the preaching that God can touch a life and he can bring healing to the body. We need to understand that this simple statement of faith was Ezekiel submitting to God. In other words, Ezekiel saying, I don't know God, but all I know is whatever you say is right, and I'm just your servant. Here, we need to understand that submitting to God's not going to always be easy. Uh, sometimes it don't even make sense initially. It, because, but in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. If we're going to walk by sight, we're not going to do anything for the Lord because a lot of the things God wants us to do, it don't make sense to us. But if we walk by faith, we'll trust him. And that's all he's asking us to do is just trust him no matter what he says. And we can do that because 1 Corinthians 1 and 9 tells us that he is faithful. Here God tells Ezekiel, after he's asked him this question, he says, now prophesy to these bones. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine what might be going through his mind? I, I, I have no idea what was going through his mind. He could have been like one of some of us lumbies. Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, he could have been saying something. Something that, that, that you or I would have said, I, I don't know if this is going to work. This is going to make me look foolish. This don't make sense. It doesn't add up. But here, here that's not what he follows through with. Ezekiel was commanded to preach to a valley filled with bones. Nothing could have seemed more foolish or ridiculous than to preach to a bunch of dry bones. But in other words, God was saying, preach to the dead. Amen. Romans 10 and 17, 
It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want you to notice what the message that God told, told uh, Ezekiel to share in verses 5 and 6. He says, thus saith the Lord to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you. In other words, muscles, ligaments, tendons. He'll put all of those on him and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Simply put, God, God was going to give these dry bones, these useless bones, life. That was his intention, was to give them life. We can all imagine what is going through the mind of Ezekiel at this point. God has given him a message to preach to these dry, useless bones. And the message is, life is going to come into you. The message is you're going to develop skin. You're going to develop tendons and muscles and ligaments. All of these things will come upon you. But don't we feel like you would suppose Ezekiel felt from time to time? Some of us feel like the hardest thing in the world to do is just to share the gospel to hopeless men and women. We're afraid of what might come back to us. We're afraid of what someone else may say. But all God's asked us to do is just share life into others. And life comes through the gospel. Folks, being a Christian, I'm obligated. Get this. First, I'm a Christian. I was a Christian before I was called to preach. And because I'm a Christian, I'm obligated to share the gospel. I'm, I, I can't get away from that. Because, not because I'm a preacher, but because I've been born again. Because I've been redeemed. Because I have eternal life. I have an obligation and a responsibility to share that with this lost and dying world. I was once lost. I was once on my way to hell. I was once dead in the trespass of my sins. But it was through the preaching of the gospel. It was through somebody sharing the gospel that I come to know Jesus as my Savior. We have a responsibility. And as a pastor... It is my obligation to preach the gospel. And God, we can trust this, folks. God's committed himself to bless the preaching of his word. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid to share the gospel. God has already committed to himself that he will bless our sharing of the gospel. Isaiah 55 and 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I, what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. So if we want God to prosper our lives, if we want God to bless anything that we say, we need to be sharing the gospel. We say too much that he's not going to bless. We talk too much about one another. We talk, we talk too much about what we would like to have instead of what God has already done for us. If we will just share the gospel, God will bless each word that comes from our mouths. Yes, when Ezekiel began to prophesy God's word, <laughs> God's blessings rang down. Because the Bible says he heard a noise, a rattling of the bones coming together. Now, you may be thinking that there were skeletons around, but that's not what I read. 
I don't read that there were skeletons. I get the picture in here that the bones were all scattered. He said that they were all around him. The bones were just scattered. They were mixed up. That, that here, the picture is there was an army. The picture is that of an army who had been defeated. And their bones, they were just left there in this valley. The rod and their bones had been left. And, and you can imagine animals and other things that have come by to eat the flesh and, and eat everything else upon them. You know they were shaking their heads with those bones in their mouth and just scattering them all around. You've seen your own pets. You see when they put something in their mouth, they just shake their head. You see that they, they do all of these things. So we have to understand these bones were all scattered around. They weren't put together and just laying there neatly and nicely. But when he began to share the word of God, rattling began and they started coming together. <laughs> Folks, that's why we have preaching. That's why my heart breaks when churches don't have preaching. We hear so often, we had a time today at church. What did they preach? We didn't get to have preaching. Well, my heart breaks and bleeds because they didn't get the power of the gospel. I want to tell you, we need preaching in our churches. If we're going to have a worship service, we need preach. If we're going to have church, there must be preaching. Because it's in the word of God. Here, the word of God was heard. And the noise of the rattling came together. It's only when the word of God comes forth that miracles like this is produced. Hebrews 4.12 tells us for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and, and of joints and marrow and a discerner to the thoughts and the intents of the heart. If we're going to have plays, I don't have a problem with having plays, but there needs to be a gospel message needs to be preached in that play. And if there ain't, we need to preach one at the end of it. I'm convinced of this. If we're going to have singing, there needs to be a gospel message in the songs or we didn't have preaching after the singing. I'm just convinced that if we're going to see things happen if we're going to see our communities change if we're going to see people's lives change it's going to come through the preaching of the word of God. If things I want you to know something here folks if if things seem to be scattered in your life They don't have to stay that way. (laughs) God has a way of bringing pieces back together. God has a way of stepping in. And when it looks like things have gone out of reach, seems like there is no more hope, God's still waiting to bring things together. If you've chased after gods, other gods, if your marriage is falling apart, if your children are going wayward, Just as God put these dry bones back together, he can put things back together for you. But you've got to trust him. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter how scattered your life seems. He wants to put them back together. (laughs) Folks, if all the king's horsemen and all the king's men can't put it together, I know a man who can. (laughs) Don't you know him? You remember that nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horsemen and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. (laughs) I don't know what's broken in your life, but God can put it back together. 
But just knowing, knowing he can do this isn't enough. It isn't enough. Because here we see these bones together. And as we continue reading in this passage, we begin to see that everything else is, is starting to cover up upon the, the bones. Now, while God had brought these bones back together, he's now clothing them with muscles. He's clothing them with tendons and ligaments and flesh. But they're still not alive. This last thing I want us to see is the redemption for the hopeless. Here, seeing that they were still not alive, they looked like people. They looked like they were whole, but they weren't. They were still dead. (laughs) They were still dead. As a matter of fact, (laughs) he tells us in here, in verse 8, at the last phrase, he says, but there was no breath in them so what does he do in verse 9 he said that Ezekiel prophesy the king the new king James says prophesy to the breath king James I believe he says prophesy to the wind (laughs) here he the breath of the four winds would breathe life into these dead bodies when Ezekiel preached to the wind, these four wind, these four breaths or four winds came together and it breathed into these bodies. They stood up and the bodies became living souls. You remember in Genesis 2 and 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And then after the sin that took place in the garden, the, the, it seems like the, the breath of God has become uh, dead in us, that he's no longer alive, and it's uns- unsafe. You need to know this. God doesn't only want to bring the pieces of your life together, but that's not enough for him. He desires to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. He desires to give you his spirit that you may have eternal life. And right now, you, you may be dead in the trespass of your sins, but what I mean is that the spirit of God has not been quickened. It's not been made alive in you. Instead, it is still just there. But until he is made alive within you, you will find yourself searching in this world. You'll find yourself searching Searching for things to bring you pleasure, for things to give you peace, things to give you joy. You can search in all the alcohol, all the drugs, all the sex, all the pleasures of this world. And you won't find what you're looking for because what you're waiting on is the spirit of God to be renewed, to be quickened within your life. The spirit alive to make you alive because you don't begin living until you begin living for him. You ask anybody who's been saved for any length of time. And they'll tell you, I wish I'd have done this earlier. Because it's at your salvation experience that you finally begin to live. That no longer are you dead in the trespass of your sins. Because once you get saved, your sins have been washed away. And he's made you right with him. I wonder today, what is it? If you're here and you don't know Jesus is your Savior, what is it you're searching for? I guarantee you, you won't find it in this world, but you can find it in Jesus. You're searching, you're searching, and you're searching to be made alive. And it comes when Jesus breathes into you. When we look in these last four verses, what we see here in the conclusion of this is an explanation of the vision. 
listen unsaved. There is redemption for your hopelessness. And that is knowing Jesus as your Savior. When we look here in these verses, we see this, this explanation. It, it tells us that the whole, that these bones represent the whole house of Israel. Israel felt that they were in this dry desert. They were cut off from God and they were utterly hopeless. But in God's eyes, their situation was never hopeless. Because he knew he has the power to give new life to Israel. And he promises that. He promises them new life. He promised to resurrect the exiles from the grave of despair and hopelessness. And he'd return, he'd return them to their land. But not only would he return them to their land, but he would return them with his spirit. He would do this because then they would know that he's God and that his promises are true. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent his very son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that he died for our sins and he arose on the third day. And then if you would confess him, as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart. And you must be willing to serve him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.